Thanks for being here. Great crowd today. Good to see all of you. We uh, jumped into a series last week talking about Holy Communion. And I want to continue that with part two today. And part two is simply called the elements. Now, there are some some detailed elements of communion. We're going to look at those. Uh, There's really some conduct and some how or some instructions that have to do with communion. And they're very important. They're beautiful. But we want to see those right out of the Word of God. Next week, we're going to look at the benefits of communion. And there are benefits to communion. I mean, I don't think Jesus established it if he didn't want to bless you through it. And so there are some beautiful benefits of that. And then what it does, it leads us right up to Palm Sunday, where we as a church body, a corporate church, we will take communion. And then the following Sunday, we will, resur- we will celebrate our empty tomb and a resurrection of our king named Jesus. So it should be a great time. So I want you to jump in with me with that today. If you want to, uh, go ahead and pre-turn uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be there in a little bit. Not right away, but we're going to get there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And we'll, be, we'll begin later in verse 17. Holy communion, the elements. Now, why? Why communion? Okay? I, I still have people today ask me why. Okay? Do we take it? When I was growing up as a child... Uh, I didn't understand the why, I just knew we did it. And so I think sometimes it's important to unpack the why of we, why we do stuff. Sometimes we just do stuff in church, and you kind of grow up in church, you just, that's, and people say outside of church, well, why do you do that in your church? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we just, that's what my preacher does, that's what my dad did, that's what I do, I don't know. That's a good question, okay? So I want to look at some questions about communion and in, in, in the elements. So number one is why. Why do we take communion? God gave the church two ordinances or commandments. Number one, baptism. He said, do baptism. We just did baptism. Fortunately for us as a church, we're tremendously blessed in that area. That's probably number 20 or 21 on baptism since January 1st. That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. That's a good year for some churches. That, we're just getting started. Amen. We're just getting started. So that's a great thing. So we want to be obedient to the commandments and the, the ordinances of God. And that is we do baptism. Jesus says do likewise. Okay. So we do that. Second command, a commandment or ordinance he gave the church was communion. He said do communion. Okay, so we do communion because the Father said, what I hear, I pass on to you. We do it because he said, do it. It's pretty simple, okay? So if we want to be blessed as a New Testament church, and we do because I like blessings, we want to do what God commands us to do. Number one, we want to do baptism, okay, and we want to, two, do communion. And so we take it very seriously when we do those two, and that's why we do it. So if you've ever wondered why we do it, that's why we do it, okay? Uh, Secondly is this, when do you do it, okay? When do you do it? Bible doesn't really tell you uh, when to do it, okay? It's kind of left up to the church. Scripture only tells us to do it as often as you do this, as often as you do it, as often as you do it. Now, there's no date or day of often. It's just do it whenever you want to, okay? You can do it anytime. For us, As a corporate church, as the body, we do it four times a year, okay? And what I do that for is I try to set it up around certain themes 
so it kind of goes with that season, okay? So you, you, you understand, like, for an example, Palm Sunday, that's a beautiful time to do communion, okay? Right before Good Friday, Easter, all that fun stuff. Now, one time I tried it on Easter, okay? People say, what? wouldn't it be great to do, do communion on Easter? That's gorgeous. We ought to do that. Hmm. Okay, Easter dresses and Welch's grape juice do not go together. Just telling you right now, they don't go together. So what looked like a great idea on paper, ever had those? Yeah, it wasn't that good. So I said, how about we back that up a little bit and do that on Palm Sunday, amen? That'd be great. So that's why we do on Palm Sunday. We celebrate that. We get ready for the week as believers. That's a great week for us. So we do it on Palm Sunday. Secondly, we do it June. We do it in July. We do it the Sunday that precedes July 4th weekend. Why? Because our mind is on independence as a nation. But don't you know that our independence in Christ is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Our freedom in Christ is a beautiful thing. So we kind of tag it around that. Now you say, well, we do it in October, don't we? Yes, we do. What's happening in October? We just had to pick a month. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. Pumpkin, I don't know. We, we just picked October because it kind of fell between the last time we do it, and that's a, that's a candlelight service. It kind of falls between July and December. We just picked October. So we don't have any. So October is kind of like non-theme month, okay? But we do it four times a year, and what Paxton and I try to do is we try to build the whole service around communion. That's all we're doing that day. Every song, every text, everything is about communion because we want it not just to be a little thing. We want it to be a big thing, and we want it to be the focus and, and everything of the whole service, and so that's, that's when we do it, but there is no specific reason or timing in the Word necessarily. It just tells us as often as you do it, these are some things that you're going to do when you do it. So uh, third question is where? That's always good. People have asked that Many times to me, do, do you only have to do it at church? No, you do not. See, I grew up thinking that, that the only place to do communion was at church. I mean, did anybody as a kid do it anywhere else? Most people only did it at, at church. I understand as I grew older that communion, that beautiful, intimate time with the king, is not just to be at the church. It's not just to be at the church. You can do it at home. I'm going to tell you, that is one big-time, beautiful location for communion. Sometimes, my friend, you got that house, got that front door, got that welcome man out. That's a real sweet thing. Sometimes people put little words that say welcome outside. Now, there's sometimes in the family unit, okay, pastor family too, that you got to take that welcome down, pull that mat in, and we're going to have a little come to Jesus chit-chat about the ponder house and what that name means and why we do what we do, all right? Now, we like to follow those kind of engagements up with communion because <laughs> you don't want to just leave that undone. Amen? So, so it's a beautiful time to do that. When, when, you're, when your kids are stressed out over tests, those tests that somebody down south picks for your kids to take and we don't have a choice and the teachers don't like it, but they got to stand before the class and go, we love this test so much. Okay? And so you don't like that. So they're stressed and the kids are stressed and it's all that stuff. Isn't that a beautiful week to have communion? Mm, that's a gorgeous time to have communion, okay? Melissa and I have had the privilege of taking communion to a lot of homes. 
a lot of your homes, a lot of your kids' bedrooms, okay? We've taken it to the hospital, taken it to nursing homes. I've taken it all over the place. How many of you have been on marriage retreats? Been on marriage retreats? Man, we need a marriage retreat. <laughs> Either that, we got all the good marriages, all right? <laughs> wow. Carter, we're going to do a marriage retreat. Okay, so uh, you, you very seldom go to a marriage retreat that communion isn't at the end. That's a beautiful time to do it. What, what more intimate time with the Savior than with your joint soulmate? I mean, if you're having trouble in your marriage, how about pull up a little communion? And all that other stuff will pale in comparison, amen. It'll just pale when you sit at the feet of the king and take communion with him, okay? There's a lot of places you can do it, okay? When I, when I face big decisions, I will do it in my own personal quiet time. It's just my little way of fasting, I guess you could say. And sometimes it precedes or ends a season of fasting. But it's a beautiful time to do it. So where I put anywhere, everywhere. Amen. Anywhere, everywhere. So who can take it? That's a good question. Who can take communion? Do you have to be a church member? Answer, no. Do not have to be a church member. Do you have to be baptized? Answer, no. Okay, no. Do you have to be saved? Answer, yes. Bingo. Listen, church membership is not a big deal. I've been to churches as a guest, okay, when they took communion, and I didn't know it, that they were doing that. Pastor stands up. He says, if you're a member of the church, you're welcome to take communion. If you're not a member of the church, you're welcome to watch. I just had an overwhelming feeling of welcomeness. I just felt warm all over. I just felt like this was a home church for me. Couldn't wait to join. Couldn't wait. You know what I mean? I mean, come on, man. The, 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 the membership to the table of the Lord's is not a church membership. Okay? It's not a church membership. It's the family of God. You get your chair pulled up to the table of the king through the, through the salvation of his son Jesus. That's the ticket in. Not a church membership. Not a church membership, my friend, at all. And you don't have to be baptized. Very important. I'm not trying to downplay baptism. Baptism is very important. But, my friend, if you get saved on a, on a Friday and baptism is uh, after church on Sunday and they pass communion out at 1045 and baptism is not scheduled to 1145, God's got that hour. God's got that. You just go right ahead and take communion. Amen. You do not have to worry about baptism first. Okay. I'm not downplaying baptism. I'm just saying you got to understand something. It's important. Jesus said it's the first step of obedience. But you can take communion before you get baptized. Okay? Just get baptized as quick as you can. Seal the deal. Amen? So salvation, yes, you must be saved. You cannot take 
an, an object of bread that represents the body of Christ that bore your sins on a cross, and the juice that represents the blood that covers your sins and forgives you, you cannot take that if you haven't, I mean, if you haven't been a part of that. If you haven't taken that, you can't experience, if you haven't experienced it, you can't take it. it it's foreign to you. That's just bread and juice. It doesn't have any meaning to you because you don't understand what he did for you. You, you. you haven't discerned it. You don't get it, okay? So you must do it. John chapter 4, there's an encounter with a woman at the well. The woman at the well is trying to fill her life with a whole bunch of stuff to, to fit that God-sized void, and, and she has five husbands, and she's living with a man, and she meets Jesus at the well, and Jesus says, hey, uh, I've got what you need. It'll become spring of living water. You don't have to keep coming back here because there's nothing that I created that'll do what I can do for you. Listen to me. That bread and that juice cannot save you. And it can't take his place. It doesn't become Jesus and become his blood. Okay? It's symbolism. Symbolism. Okay? Nicodemus learned that you got to have two birthdays. Amen? You got to be born of water, of birth, physical birth. You got to be born of the spirit, spirit birth. Okay? That, when you've experienced the spirit birth, when you've experienced your second birthday, when you're born again, then you're welcome at the table of the Lord's. Amen. Then you can take communion. And last is this Ephesians 2 8 and 9 talks about it's the grace of God. So no man should boast. It is not by works at all. Listen, you can't do things. To earn salvation. So, 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 so taking communion doesn't save you. Oh, I got to go to the church. This is, this, is the fourth, this is the time of the year. This is the day that they take communion. And it's three months later until I can take it again. So I come and I take it. And I take these elements that signifies body and his blood. And we feel like we're saved. That's not salvation, my friend. That's a warm fuzzy, feels good, makes you feel real good to be in the presence of the Lord. It's a very intimate time. But that, those elements do not save you. I'm sorry. They, they just don't. They just don't. So it's not by works. You can't do enough to earn heaven. And you can't do a dog and pony show to get heaven. He did it for you because you couldn't do it for yourself. And even if you try to do it for yourself, you're born in sin and you're not sinless and he wouldn't accept you. So he had to take Jesus. He couldn't take you. So Jesus did it for you. It's not by your works, by anything you do. It's by what he did for you. And it's by his grace you've been saved, my friend, by grace. So let's look at conduct. I want you to go to your scripture. We'll jump into those real quick. Conduct. There is conduct. Look at verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, this is Paul speaking, I do not praise you. Uh-oh. This ain't going to go well. You can tell already. All right. Since you come together, not for better, but for worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there's division among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who approve may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the other, and, and one is hungry, and the other gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you in this. Uh-oh. 
They didn't pull the welcome mat in. All right? I do not praise you in this. This is unity of the body. This is the church taking communion. He says there should be no division among you. Jesus cannot stand division in the body. Man, that is something that absolutely irritates him to the max. He gave his life for the church. He's coming back to get the church. And man tries to divide that which he's coming back for. He has no tolerance for that whatsoever. None. None. There is no justifiable reason for division in church. None. None whatsoever. And he says you can't do that. I've heard you're doing it. That's what Paul says. You got to stop it. You got to stop it. He also says we're all the same. When we take communion, there's a table. I stand behind it. My deacons come up. Okay? We don't have the, the, the top ten tithers stand. All right, we're going to serve these first, and then we'll serve the rest of you. No. Everybody in the house got to the table the same way, my friend. The same way. Broken, ugly, beat up, whatever, man. You got here by Jesus alone in Jesus alone. There's no hierarchy in the body. There's nobody better than another person. Everybody is the same in here. This is a family of God, and there's no favoritism. When we serve this communion, we serve it to everybody. If you're part of the family of God, you're welcome to take. There's no, nothing else going on there. Wait for everyone to be served. It's very important when we serve it. There's an order to it, okay? There's an order to it. When we wait on everyone to take, it's an act of what? Dying to self. I'm not better. Me first. Selfish. All that. He kind of kills all that in your spirit. You take. You have, hold on to it. And you wait for everybody to be served. We serve the deacons. I read a little scripture. And then we take. Why do we all take at the same time? Why? Because he's visually demonstrating to you how much he loves unity. Everybody together. Everybody together. Everybody together. Everybody together. See, there's some times that God sets things up and he wants you to see things deeper than what you see in it. The reason we don't run out and just do our own little dog and pony show and take it whenever we want to is because it's not about any of us. It's about us as a body, man. We're one. You hurt, I hurt. Amen. That's what, the, that's what Scripture says. When you win, I win. When someone wins, we win. When we get baptism right there, we have a party. Why? We join the party in heaven. We're shouting. We're screaming. We just scored a touchdown. All right? Hey, we scored. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to have some popcorn. No, man. You're going ballistic crazy at the game. We should go crazy in here too. So we wait for everyone to take the bread, and we eat together as a church because we are one body. One body. Not a bunch of splinters. We're one body. Okay? One body. Everyone eats and drinks together. Okay? That's why we do it the way we do it. God set that up. He wants that done. It's not a buffet. He goes on to talk about that you just run in there and you haven't eaten and you're hungry and you just start taking stuff. It, listen to me. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet for a football team. You, you ever been in a pizza place when the football team gets off the bus and comes into the all-you-can-eat buffet? 
Oh, Lord, help. That's dangerous. That's just flat dangerous. That pepperoni is going to hurt somebody. I mean, they come in there, and all of a sudden, there was 46 larges. Mm-mm. They ain't a large left. They are all casualty of the football team. I mean, it's crazy. It's cra- That's not what he wants in communion. It's not a bunch of buffet, all you can eat, just go get yours. It's not. He says, you got houses to do that in. I provide you food in those homes. You eat there. This right here is my body and my bread, and my body and my blood, okay? You do this in remembrance of me. You do this in an order yet fashion. You do this as one body. One. Everybody waits on everybody, and we all take it together because we're all one body. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's not crazy, all right? He's all about unity. So how? How? Let's look, look on in Scripture. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Look at verse 27. Therefore... Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be, guilty, will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let him examine himself, and so let him, let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who, drinks, who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that he may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat in his home, lest you come together in judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Beautiful instructions given to the Lord there. Number one, I want to look at the bread, okay? I want you to go to, um, let's go back to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. We looked at it last week. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he was born He bore our griefs, and he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I want to look at the bread for just a moment, okay? I want to hold up to you. Mm. This won't make you hungry because there's not much to it, okay? This, ah, man, sorry, Joni, I love you. Uh, I'm killing my matzah bread. All right, this is matzah bread. Anybody ever taken the Lord's Supper with matzah bread? Some of you, yes. It's a beautiful thing, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about matzah bread. It's unleavened bread, okay, meaning it's sinless, 
Right? Jesus was a Jew, Jewish customs, okay? It's brown. It's kind of got brown splotches on it, okay? Which means for us, it was bruised, okay? All right? It's pierced. It has little bitty holes. See, I can see through the holes. I can see the light. It's pierced in the cooking process, okay? And also, it has stripes on it. And see, when I take communion, I break it. He was bruised. He was pierced. He was crushed. He was broken. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, let me, let me say something to you real quick. I do not want you to think for one second that I believe you're sick today because you haven't taken communion with matzah bread. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my whole entire life. I'm not the most intelligent guy in the world, but I'm not that dumb, okay? That is not, listen to me, there is no dog and pony show for Jesus, okay? This is simply matzah bread, which reminds us of Isaiah 53, which he did for us on that cross. It's a visual reminder of what he did for us, okay? Listen to me. Jesus was sinless. He was pierced. He has stripes on him. He was bruised. He was crushed. He was broken. Yes, Jesus was. He is the bread of life. When we take matzah bread in communion, it's simply just a visual reminder. You say, well, pastor, why don't we do that on Sundays when we take communion? Well, that's a mess. That's a big, big old mess, all right? So we go to Lifeway, and we get a little unleavened, okay? We don't take matzah bread. Now, when I go to the, to the hospitals, I love to take it, okay? When we do it at home, that's what we use because I absolutely, my wife is really visual. I'm not big-time visual, but I love holding this. It reminds me of what he did, boy. He says, do it in remembrance of me. This helps me remember what he did. I see this, man. It's bruised. I see the piercing that he took. I see the stripes that he bore for me. I see all that. I see that he's broken for me. It's a gorgeous visual of what he did for me. And that's why I love using matzah bread in the area of communion. So the juice, juice represents what? So the bread represented his body. That was broken for us. The juice represents the blood, okay? Hebrews 9.22 says this, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all our sins. The blood that he bore for us is still wet today. My friends, I'm going to tell you something. You're not subject to your past. You're not. And when you sit at the table of the Lord's and you remember all the past and the enemy reminds you of who you used to be, you simply remind him of his future. Okay? You simply understand that the blood is over you, my friend. It's over you. It's over you. And he's going to have to pass on by. There is no accusing of you. There's none. You, you are a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person, okay? The blood of Jesus 
covered our sins. Watch us white as snow, my friend. And it's still wet today. Scripture reminds us over and over again that the blood of Jesus is what covers our sins. Okay? Last thing in Scripture that you see is, this is the part that we don't like a lot. This is the part of examining yourself. Okay? This is the part where you look inside and you go, God, how do I stack up? Not to the man next to me. Not to my wife or my husband, but to you. See, I I don't have another yardstick except Jesus. I don't have another yardstick. This is not, well, at least I don't do what they do. That is not what that's about, okay? This is not build your case before God, and he lets you off, okay? This is simply you and Jesus, okay? You're to take a deep look in and see who you are. David reminded us that we couldn't do things for him, that what he's after is a broken and contrite heart. He wants you to understand what he did for you. He wanted you to see what he did for you, that his body was broken for you and that his blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. He wants you to examine yourself in light of those things and see where you stack up. The big area that we see a lot of times in, in that, in examining yourself, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big deal. It's a big deal. Matthew's gospel in Matthew 23 and 24 says, if you have ought or anything against your brother, you come, and before you present your gift at the altar, you come and make it right with your brother. You get reconciled to your brother. You get made right with him. Then, then be reconciled with me. I'm not, I don't want to reconcile myself with you until you reconcile it with them. You know you've got ought against him. You've got to get that right. You've got to let him go. You've got to set him free. Listen to me. Holding on to unforgiveness can make you physically sick. I'm telling you right now, if you don't think unforgiveness can make you sick, you... I'm sorry. It can make you sick, dude. It can make you sick. It's like a cancer in your gut. It can make you sick. It can, it can give you anxiety. It can give you headaches. It can give you upset stomach. It can make you nauseous. I mean, it can mess you up. And, and but when you set people free, when you let them go, when you, let them, you forgive them and you let them go, man, I'm telling you right now, God got to produce a healing in you in that area. He'll set you free in that area. And so you got to let people go. Don't take communion if you know you got ought against a brother or a sister. you got to let them go. Man, I've seen churches take communion, and before the bread and the juice was taken, I watch a brother and a sister go over this side and be reconciled. And I watch a brother and sister go over this side and be reconciled. And I kid you not, one Sunday morning, I saw a husband and wife come up to the altar, my friend, and they got it right. And they hugged, and they went back to their seat, and they took communion. And they were not about to go into that communion with that stuff in them, man. was not about to. Not about to. You got to let them go. Some other things that go on in us that we need to examine. You got anger? You got to deal with that anger. You got a temper? You got to deal with that temper. You a gossiper? Mm. Do not do that. That hurts the body. It hurts the church. Remember who's taking that communion, the church. You don't want to be a gossiper or guilty of gossiping in the body of Christ 
and take communion knowing that's what you do. You, you need to let God heal that. You need, you, need, you, need, you need to let that be done with. Slander, accuser, divider, lie, thief, all kind of stuff. I mean, all kind of stuff that can hurt the body. You don't want to be participating in that kind of stuff. You want to examine yourself and see where you are, okay? And in that examining, you want to see if you really understand what the bread and the juice represent. And not only represent, is that in you? Because if you know you've never been born again, don't take it. And as soon as communion is over, at the next chance you get, you come down here and give your life to Christ and be born again. I tell you, one of the things that God showed me, uh, you know, I was, uh, we've been walking through this journey with Melissa. And so in October, I went for a little while. I love to be outside. God says some of the best stuff to me when I'm outside. So I went walking back here by my house to that little old barn. I was just walking down that road. Cows started looking at me like, what you doing? You don't look like us. Why are you walking around? I'm not a salt block. Don't lick me, okay? So, so I'm just walking. And so I'm thinking about the whole situation that we're going through, everything with Melissa. And I was struggling. I was, man. Um, I was really having a hard time, but I didn't want her to see that. So I went for a walk. And I remembered the story in Mark chapter 9, especially in verse 24. The man who has the kid is sick. And he says to Jesus, help my unbelief. And I was walking, and I was just like, God, I've preached it, and I preached it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. No matter how this turns out, it doesn't matter. But you got to help my unbelief. i got to believe. i got to believe you can. I believe you can. I believe you can. Help my unbelief. And I heard God say this. Jeff, I'm not going to help your unbelief. I'm going to heal your unbelief. I want you to think about that for a little bit. It kind of startled me. If he helps my unbelief, he's probably going to have to do what again? Help me. Oh, God, help me again. Oh, God, help me again. Help me again. Uh, Excuse me, can you get off the milk and get to the solid food? We should be beyond all this helping. I mean... Jeff, how long have you been saved, man? How long have you been a believer? How long have you been following me? How long have you been reading at me in Scripture? How long have you been reading that? Don't, don't keep coming to me as a 51-year-old grown man and say, oh, help me. Help my unbelief. Come on, man. Help. I'm going to heal it, and you'll never have an unbelief problem again. Never. And, man, I'm telling you, right out there in that field, I got on my knees, and I said, God, I don't never want to have an unbelief problem again. Never. And God, today I want you to heal my unbelief. And I want you to know something, man. That changed me from the core. I can tell you I've prayed a lot of times for people. But I pray differently today. I do. Because I don't have a cent and ounce of unbelief. I believe, man. It's either going to be a healing on this side of heaven or healing on that side of heaven. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a healing. And I'm going to pray believing that. And see, for me, 
The next time Melissa and I got together and we took communion, I remembered that. I remembered that. Your body and your blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember. I remember. God, thank you that I don't need your help with unbelief anymore. That I've been set free and healed of unbelief. And I thank you for that. And I celebrate that today. Listen to me. Communion is a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. And I don't want you to think for one second that if you're sick today, that you start taking communion today and for the rest of your life, and all of a sudden, just by taking communion, boom, you're going to be healed of everything. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying you start taking communion right now, and you will never get a cold, you won't fall and break your arm, you won't get hurt at all. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this. There's an element to communion that is beautiful. And you can, by taking communion, receive divine health and wholeness for your body. You can. Now, I'm telling you, you're going to get sick, and we have the finest doctors in the world that take good care of you. I'm, I'm thankful for everything that we've got. But listen to me, man. There, there's an aspect of communion. It is okay. Let me say this. It is okay for you to say in communion, God, I believe that you can heal and believe you can make healthy and believe you can make whole. And I ask that today. I ask that today. I ask that today. Now listen to me. You say, well, that doesn't say that in 1 Corinthians 11. I'm not saying it says it in 1 Corinthians 11, but it says in the Bible because he is the healer, amen? And he can't stop being himself, okay? He can't deny himself. So what I had to give myself permission to do is to be able to say that in communion, okay? Because I've never in my life ever said it, okay? And it's not a dog and pony show that you do this, you get this, okay? It's not, not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's just like saying if I pray, it's just going to happen over here. It's the same thing. No, but I'm telling you, Jesus is about our health and our wholeness. He's about our health and our wholeness. He's about our health and our wholeness. And he wants the best for you, and you want everything he can offer you this side of heaven. Amen. And so take the most intimate time with the king, intimate time with the Savior, and it's okay to go where you've never gone before. It's okay, okay? All I'm saying is, Communion is a beautiful thing, but listen to me. If you think for a second that these little things do something, okay, just by doing it, no, no, no. It does not, okay? It's all about God, but it's okay in that intimate time with the king to say, God, God, my, I need you. I, I believe that by your stripes I'm healed, and so I need that from you, okay? And you can do a Shadrach, Meshach if you want to. I know my God can, but if he doesn't, I'm not bowing a knee. Okay, whatever you want to say. But communion is a beautiful thing. Okay, you may be sitting here this morning and you say, man, communion, it's about the body and it's about the blood. Yes. Jeff, I'm telling you, there's a time, there's never been a time in my life that I've had a woman at the well experience. There's never been a time in my life that I've had a Nicodemus experience. There's never been a time in my life that I really experienced salvation. And I, I want that today. I see it today and I want that today. When we stand in just a little bit for invitation, I want you right here. Boom. I mean, just like you were shot out of a gun, okay? You say, well, man, my wife's going to think I've lost it. You have. You've lost your lostness, and you're about to find life, okay? And it's okay. I guarantee you, she's not going to pull you back, okay? So come. Come and find that, okay? You may be sitting here this morning, and you may, may be thinking, God, 
I, I, I got odd, man. I, I got issues. I, I, there's some people that I'm holding on to some stuff, and you need to be set free. You need to be reconciled. This morning, there's some people up here, they'll pray for you, and they'll help you, okay? We want you to be reconciled to whomever it is, okay? And you may be sitting here and say, Jeff, for the first time, I want you to understand that, that I want to start incorporating communion in more areas of my life than just at church. I want to take it at home with my kids. I want to take it with my wife, okay? Do that, man. It's a beautiful time. Let God teach that to you. Let God let you do that. I went down to Natural Grocers and bought matzo bread. It's not fancy, okay? You can go to Natural Grocers and get it. It's a commercial for Natural Grocers. But I'm just saying, you can get it there. We love to take it together, okay? We love to do that. So do that. Incorporate that in your home. It'll change the, the atmosphere of the house. It will. It'll change the intimacy of the marriage. It'll take it to a different level. It's a beautiful thing. And so if you feel led to do that, you do that this morning. So as we move to a time of invitation, you may be here this morning, and you need to meet Jesus. You come. You may need to get stuff right with a brother or a sister. They might not even be in this town, may not even be here, but you need to do that. Come to the altar. Set them free. Lay it down. Walk away from it. Let somebody pray over you, okay? You may be sitting here today, and you say, Jeff, we just want to commit to, to, to incorporating communion in, in our home, in our marriage, in our life. And if you want to do that, you do that today. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and then I'm going to pray. Go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray over you and for you. And then if you need to come this morning, you know you have the freedom to come this morning if you choose to come. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We adore you. We exalt you. And God, I thank you so much for this time together. This sweet, sweet, sweet church. And God, I pray. That if, if, if somebody here at the sound of my voice that needs to come for salvation, they'll come. If someone needs to come and just be reconciled, God, they'd come a day. And God, if, if, if you've laid on their heart, God, to, to, to begin to implement the beauty, the elements of communion in, in their lives, in their family, in their kids, in, the, in their home, God, I pray you just pour cement around that today. So God, you move. This is your time. This is your invitation time. You come this morning for your honor, for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.